Simply Abundant Intuitive Hour, The Journey of Attachment, a special series that takes a deep dive into the topic of insecure attachment and why you can't let go. Here's Tracy Crossley. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to share some comments from some of Tracy's clients that have worked with her in both group coaching situations and one-on-one coaching. And to reach out to Tracy for a discovery session, please email her at happiness at tracycrossley.com. That's happiness at tracycrossley.com. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. The real story is that Tracy saved my butt. It's been an amazing opportunity for me. So I feel like if I can make growth from it, I know anyone can. It's the best investment I've ever made in myself. It way beats a Greek holiday, and I love my Greek holidays. And thank you so much for um, uh, all the work in the session and the Marco Polo to help me. So, Tracy, you're awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's just been, it's just been amazing. And I just, if anyone's even thinking about it, do it. Even if you're just thinking about it, just do it. Just go there. You know, just, just do it for yourself. Hey there, hi there, hello there. We are back again, or I'm back again, with another episode of Journey of Attachment. Yeah! Yeah! Okay, I'm being obnoxious, but hey, guess what? It is episode number 437. Wow, right? I get excited every time I read another number. It's closer and closer to 500, which I will hit in 2020 for sure. So, hey, today is also my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. Yes, I can't believe it. Wow. It just seems like time keeps flying by faster and faster. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome in relationships. Ooh, doesn't that sound fun? Everybody's heard of imposter syndrome, and I'll get into what that is if you haven't heard of it, but that's what I'm going to be talking about today. But first, I just wanted to really mention one quick little thing, and that is When it comes to doing this kind of work, you know, where you're listening to the podcast and you're taking it in and what I have found, and I know some people do amazing things on their own, but for the majority of people that I end up talking to, there tends to be a disconnect between listening to the podcast and actually applying this work in their life. And most of us, like when I would read books on self-development, there was always the how-to that was missing, right? So for most of us, we think, oh my God, how do I do that? How do I change? And I'm always providing tips and tools on how to change. The biggest problem most of us have, just as a precursor to getting into this podcast, is that most of us can't see ourselves in the way that we actually are. We tend to see ourselves through a filter. And as long as we have people around us that keep perpetuating, yes, that's you, yes, you're a victim, yes, everybody's an asshole, yes, you are great, yes, you're wonderful, everybody else sucks, or, or whatever it happens to be, it doesn't help us, because we are the ones who create our lives, and as long as you know you're the one creating your life, that gives you license to change your life. Nothing outside of you is going to do that. You need to do that. You can have help doing that, which I highly suggest when it comes to changing your subconscious beliefs. Your beliefs are in your subconscious because they're on autopilot. They're not in your conscious mind. If your beliefs were in your conscious mind, you could easily change it by snapping your fingers and boom, there's a belief that's gone that's changed. But it isn't. It's deeper work. 
And so if you're not working with me, I hope you're working with someone else. You need to be working with somebody to really make a difference, though, unless you want this to take decades. Because <laughs> it took me a long-ass time. And I stumbled around for many years, and I thought, I can do this myself. I'm good at this. I know me, but I didn't really know me. Like, I needed to know me to make the changes. So if you're looking at transformation and having it be real transformation, as in permanent and not dependent on everything outside of you cooperating, then get a discovery session. It's happiness at tracycrossley.com. And you will talk to me or you'll talk to someone on my team, depending on what it is you're looking for. When you do send an email, please note what it is that you feel you could be helped with so we know where to direct you. But honestly, I'm all about life is short. Why the hell would you want to waste more time feeling how you feel, especially if it's anxious or stuck or always repeating the same patterns and always working so hard, but at the base of it, always having that sense of well-being that isn't a sense of well-being. It's more of a sense of fair being or bad being or surviving being. Well-being is way better. All right. So that is what I'm going to say today. Let's get into imposter syndrome. Yeah. So, hey, imposter syndrome is something most people who are afflicted with insecure attachment experience. What is it? Well, I actually pulled a meaning up. I didn't really feel like digging for like a deep meaning, so I used Wikipedia. So yeah, I know that can be sketchy, but for something like this, I think it's fine. So it's a psychological pattern in which one doubts one's own accomplishments and they have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Somehow you are where you are because of luck, not because of you being a good person or a person who actually is talented or whatever it is that you have a disconnect between how you show up and who you actually feel yourself to be, right? Because I know, <clears throat> I felt like this for years, by the way, and I'm sure how many of us feel we are going to be exposed when we start to get close to someone in a relationship, you know, not even just in a job, which I'll address in another podcast. I'll get more into that because I'm going to start incorporating more about insecure attachment and how it fucks up your work life, even if you don't think it does, it does. So, you know, how many of us, though, feel this way, right? Oh, my God, I'm going to get close to somebody in a relationship, and then they're going to discover who I really am. I better just try and please the shit out of them or be who I think they want me to be because if they find out who I am, they're going to abandon me. So the fear is not just in accomplishments to do with work and career, obviously, right? So if someone finds out you're not so nice, you're weird, you're not good, you don't deserve because you're a horrible human being for some unknown reason, because a lot of times we have this fatal flaw feeling, but we really don't know what the heck it is. It's just a feeling and it's a fearful feeling and we're just trying to avoid it, right? And it's sad because here's the thing. All human beings have a certain beauty in them. Really, we do. And we miss that. We're so busy judging, you know, judging ourselves, judging other people. And when it comes to feeling like an imposter, it's all based on judgment. And of course, this goes back to childhood. Yay, right? And when we were judged, and we took that judgment, and we internalized it, and we made a belief about ourselves. And that's the kind of shit that you need help with. You need help in breaking those kind of beliefs down. Because they don't serve you. All they do is make you unhappy and make poor choices. 
So, anyways, when it comes to imposter syndrome, it affects those with insecure attachment, and it's totally not singular. There's a few reasons. Because one reason is that we have a hard time celebrating the good inside of us. We tend to be waiting for the other shoe to drop so somebody can say, see, I knew you were a phony. You're not really good. You, you suck. I felt like this for a long time, by the way. I kept waiting for people to figure out that I was bad or wrong or stupid or full of shit or whatever. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that think that, but it no longer is something I'm waiting for or that I go, okay, they're going to find out I'm what? I'm pretty damn authentic. I pretty much put it all out there. I can't think of really anything I hold back. Well, there are things I hold back, but there are things you really don't want to hear about, you know, and I could get kind of um, gross with that. So anyway because I'm human. Hello. Anyway, we cannot feel our successes, the positives in our lives so easily because we are always on guard. We are. We tend to be perfectionists. To be less than perfect makes it difficult for us to believe we are lovable. Oh my God. We hide whatever we believe someone will cast us out for, right? You are cast out because we suck on some level. And when again, we don't know why, or maybe we do, but we're keeping secrets because we're afraid of abandonment. And one of my favorite things, not really, but it's how hard we work. We will do more than the next person. Otherwise we might feel undeserving of being paid or that our wife or husband might leave us. We have to always do everything well, not just perfect in the things that we know, right? Like the knowledge we already have or the skills or the education but we cannot appear to not know. We need to figure it out and we'll do it covertly. I mean, I would find myself Googling shit as somebody's talking to me so that I didn't appear to be stupid. And this was somebody I'd be dating, okay? So anyways, in the work life and personally, it leads to workaholism. <laughs> like you become a workaholic in your relationship and you're always strategizing about what you're gonna do next. It makes us invulnerable, impenetrable. Okay, we've got a fortress around us because we have fear of being found out. So you always need to be more than you are, always searching for more information so that you finally get to be enough and perhaps no one's going to question you. Or if they do, you're not going to feel insecure and you're going to know the answers. Mm hmm. Yeah, because what does that do? What happens if you say, I don't know, which is one of my favorite phrases, by the way. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. You're never enough in both instances, and you picked up as a kid the idea that you had to try harder than the rest, and maybe you fear criticism because most people with insecure attachment issues do, especially those with imposter syndrome. Oh my God, criticism is like the worst thing. It's like I'm running away. I've got my running shoes on, running away. I don't want to hear it. No, 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 no. Don't, nope, can't hear you. Nope, right? <laughs> if you're okay, then something is wrong with the rest of the world. Although, you fear being wrong, being wrong feels like the end of the world, and you can't look stupid. There's all this shame that comes up, and it just, like, covers you, right? It just covers you in its shame slime, and you fear others aren't going to respect you or love you or like you, and now you are lost. That's the feeling. I remember that. Like, that shame slime, ugh, yeah, and a lot of times before I actually did any work on it, you know, of course I didn't know why, how, or anything. I just wanted to run from it. And 
I got to know where it came from. I got to break it down. I got to be where I just accepted, hey, I'm a fucking human being, (laughs) you know, but it wasn't overnight and it wasn't easy, but I did it. And that doesn't mean I'm perfect. Again, that is the biggest problem. That's the biggest problem, actually, when I talk to people, too, is that there's this idea of some kind of perfect nirvana, even though they'll say, no, 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 I don't want to be perfect. But we have a hard time breaking that pattern because we're afraid of being found out. So you often don't ask for help, but you resent others who do not offer at the same time, right? And even if they do offer, hey, you don't take them up on it. Yeah, I'm going to do it myself. You're afraid of appearing weak or needy or something that says I'm not okay. And you need to look self, not just self-sufficient, but you're a damn fortress, like I said. And if you feel like you need help, you fear that you are a phony. I really can't handle it. I really can't do it. So being in a relationship like this, oy vey, right? You are always the one who's going to give, give, give and be resentful as fuck because you're giving and the other person's not giving back. And therefore, you have less fear of being found out as a phony because you're putting yourself in a power position, at least in your mind, when in reality, what you're doing is you're just creating distance. And that makes a relationship not work, okay? An insecurely attached person, we never learned we were just okay the way we were. We always felt something was missing because the unconditional love we didn't receive. It doesn't mean our parents were assholes. It just means that we didn't have emotional intimacy with the parent. We didn't have unconditional love. We had a lot of conditions. So in relationships, we keep performing, believing if we just do more, act the part, do whatever it takes, no one's ever going to leave us. So here's an example. You got a DUI. You do not want your current boyfriend or girlfriend to know that you ever got it. You feel like a fraud because you've not been able to accept that you're less than perfect. How about, here's another example. You were married more than once. You never tell anyone you're dating till they're locked in, but you walk on eggshells wondering if they will reject you when they find out. Or another one. You do not argue with your mother-in-law because you're afraid she'll find out you're not good enough for her kid. You want her to like you at your own expense. You really believe that she has more power in your own relationship than you do. Or this one, and I've had clients like this, so this isn't even funny. Like I'm not even exaggerating funny, all right? You're on your third or fourth college degree and you still do not know what you want to do or you do, but the degree has little impact on your advancing in the direction you want to go. I am not kidding. I have met quite a few people who fall into that category. Another one, I had all these little examples. I just thought it would be kind of fun to share because it gives you an idea, right? You own a business. You look good to the rest of the world. But if anyone knew your sordid past, you could lose it all, right? You believe you could lose it all. And that includes whatever relationship you're in. You're going to be rejected. You are afraid of that. Okay, last one. You won't take a risk and do what you really want because you're fearing You will be found out as no good. You'll be uncovered as the failure you really are. So you better stick to the familiar. And that even includes in who you date. That includes in saying no or yes, because you have this feeling of scarcity. Oh, this person looks like they're going to accept me. I don't want to let go of that. I want to hold on to that. So I am going to do what I can to not take a risk, to be a human doormat, or to do whatever it takes so that they can't find anything out about me that would have them believe I'm no good and kick me to the curb. All right, call to action. Imposter syndrome is a figment of your own story. When you stop keeping the facade up, deal with your shame and be you, 
you in capital letters, by the way, your whole life improves. Again, imposter syndrome is a figment of your own story. When you stop keeping the facade up, deal with your shame and be you, your whole life improves. Okay. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Talking about me today. Oh, boy. So, you know, it's easier, obviously, for me to talk about me at times when I have a story that fits because I can at least go back to the emotions. When I'm talking about other people, I can go to the emotions, too, but... Um, I probably give more detail, I guess, this way. I don't know. You know what? I take that back. That's not true. Who the hell knows? All right. Anyways, I lived in a constant state of shame that I was trying to show I was deserving to others, but it did not matter. Like, this is my whole fucking life up until the last, I don't know, six, seven years. So, yeah, I mean, really? Even though I worked on myself for like 25 years... It didn't make a damn bit of difference because I never got deep enough. See, that's the thing. I worked on myself. I went and did all this shit. I never got deep enough uh, back in the old days to really make a difference in terms of my belief system. Like I was talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, it was really apparent to me that I was not able to ever change this. And so I think I lived in shame constantly and the fear of being found out that I was this bad person, like I was a horrible human being, and that's how I lived. Like, oh, you're just horrible, Tracy. Anyway, I always felt I'd be rejected. So when it came to love, I always took the low-hanging fruit. I could not believe anybody would just be attracted to me being me. So literally, if somebody was interested in me, I more than likely would just say okay. Especially when I was single when I was younger, before I got married the first time. I never was single because I'd always find somebody who was interested in me and then it always turned into a relationship because I'd be like, oh, they grew on me. But I I could maintain a certain emotional distance with them. Looking back, like I was not emotionally available at all, at all, because I was so worried that I would be seen in the wrong way. And I worked so hard at keeping up a pretense in a relationship. I don't even think I relaxed. I mean, I think I had an idea of relaxation when I was younger, but I didn't really even understand it. I could not chill out. So, you know, my story of being in the workplace and getting my degree pretty late in my career was something that I think I would say, you know, because that's something I didn't, I ended up going up the corporate ladder without a degree. Yeah, I did. And that tells you something. I was very determined. I was very focused. I was very much like, fuck you. I can do this. And I had that attitude. And I made it far. And I didn't get my bachelor's degree until actually I was out of the corporate world. (laughs) Right? I made it all the way to vice president of an advertising agency. And so, yeah, it can fucking happen. But what drove me was a fear of being found out right? No, I can do this. And so I would mentally just take myself to wherever I had to go when I was younger. Relationships or work, it just didn't matter. And the emotion was something I tried to leave in the dust. But when I, you know, going back in time anyways, more to the relationships, since this is what we're really talking about today. When I was a young parent and I was living in this neighborhood where it was a pretty exclusive neighborhood. And most of the people there were older than me by about five years at least. I was a pretty young parent. I was <laughs> I was a baby uh, when I had my children. And so I always felt like I had to show everyone that I was mature 
because I always felt immature. I always felt like they looked down on me because I was younger. And so they didn't trust me or they'd, you know, say whatever about me. And so I had that whole social aspect going on in my personal life. And I was always anxious, not like super anxious, but I always had a low level of anxiety. So I just volunteer. I mean, I just volunteered my whole life away. And, you know, like I was in the PTA and all that stuff. And when my kids were little, I was on the preschool board. And before that, I was on the parent, like I was in a mommy and me kind of thing through the local college. And I was on their board. And so I was always doing stuff. I was always volunteering. I was always starting businesses. I was always running for myself, basically, and trying to overachieve. And this affected my marriage, too, by the way, because I didn't understand. I just thought if you did the right things, like you clean, you cook, you have sex, you uh, take care of your kids, you do those things that you're going to be happy. And it was just so not the case. I tried to be perfect so that nobody could criticize me. And yet people did anyway. I was Martha Stewart on steroids. Seriously, I was ridiculous. And my ex-husband would criticize me all the time. He would criticize the way I looked. He criticized the way I did things. He always criticized things. It was like the things that I tried to hide or overcompensate for, he would criticize. And when we got divorced, he was even worse. It was like everything about me was wrong or horrible. And I wasn't a good parent. I wasn't a good this. I wasn't a good that. He made up stories about me. I mean, it was like, here's the thing. He was making up stories about me that weren't true. And yet I'd still feel guilty and still feel shame, even though it had nothing to do with me. He was just so pissed that I left that he would say things. And, you know, this went on for years. And then it isn't like that, obviously, anymore. Uh, we actually get along and that's all fine. But the point is, back then, I had such a disconnect with myself. Such I had a lot of self-hatred. I just didn't think I was good. And I was always trying so hard to be good. I was trying so hard to be a perfect wife and a perfect mom. So then to hear criticism was just, I mean... I would get pissed and my way of being pissed back then, oh, the silent treatment, you know, just suck it all in and be hateful underneath it all and, and all of that, right? And do more, right? Do more. Let me do more because obviously I'm not good enough. Obviously I suck. So I need to keep working my ass off. And not that he was ever going to leave me because I... I really overdid it all. In fact, he did not cope well when I wanted to get out of the relationship. And it was because I was already done and gone. Like I was already checked out and just done, right? You know, I had a crush on someone else. And that just sort of made me feel like, oh, I'm alive again. Ooh, I'm feeling that feeling of being alive. So that also pushed me out. But here's the thing. I <laughs> chose somebody who once I left my marriage, it was, he was critical of different things, but he was critical, right? And here I was trying to be as perfect as can be, just kept thinking, I have to try harder. I have to try harder, right? And they're not going to leave me. And then the thing is like, I did get left and I couldn't believe it because I thought, oh my God, I'm doing everything in my perspective. That's right. Even though it really had zero to do with it. And I just remember feeling so fucked up, right? So I had a huge fear of abandonment, but I also had a huge fear of getting close to anybody. So I was a mess. And when it came to being found out, I 
oh my God, I worked hard. I had a relationship where I lived with someone. And before we lived together, it was the same fucking thing. You know, here I am working hard, working hard, trying to be the perfect girlfriend, trying to be, you know, where nobody could ever say anything bad. And again, there I was being told something and then feeling that shame and that shit and like, oh my God, I suck. And I mean, I could argue back or do whatever, but I usually just shut down because I lost my words. I know, hard to believe, right? You're listening to this. Oh my God, I couldn't speak shit. (laughs) I really couldn't because I had not just a lot of fear, but I had an inability to even connect my feelings to my words or my thoughts to my words. When I was like a rabbit or a deer or something where I'm just, you know, stuck, deer in headlights, right? Or I don't know why I was thinking of a rabbit, but anyways, I'd just be, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and I would feel those feelings and I'd feel rage and all this mixture of emotion basically being found out. I always felt like a bad little kid. It didn't matter what I accomplished. It didn't matter what things people told me when I wasn't being shamed, how wonderful they thought I was. It was what they told me when they were shaming me that was far more important. And I believe that over anything of value or how I could be of value, okay? So this affected me. I mean, seriously, I did not speak up for years. I was a note writer, okay? A vomit, vomitous note writer. Here's your 10-page letter, <laughs> Of me vomiting and blaming you and me, the poor victim, right? Thank God I don't do that shit anymore. But seriously, I did it for so long. Oh, my goodness. All right. What's the happy ending? Well, clearly I've worked through a lot of this and I'm keeping doing it because once in a while that little fucking imposter syndrome will show up. But it doesn't. It's interesting because throughout my relationship with my husband now, when I notice a feeling of I'm not trying too hard because I don't try too hard. I just show up as me, which is different and weird and cool. But at the same time, when we've had arguments and there's still that I could sometimes hear myself starting to go in a direction of, oh, I'm going to be found out. He's going to tell me that I'm a horrible human being, you know, and that might come up briefly and I'll go, what the fuck? And then I go, okay. And I might even tell him. You know, because I don't hide this from myself. And for the most part, it really never does come up. I mean, I'm talking it's so minuscule at this point, if it does, but I don't blow it off. I deal with it. Why? Because if you don't deal with shit, it doesn't go away. I had a client say to me, well, I don't want to bring that stuff up. And it's like, if you don't bring stuff up, it stays down, down inside of you, inside of you. So whatever you don't want to deal with did not leave your body. It's still in you. It's just waiting to be triggered. Ha ha, right? So that's why when you think you are a piece of shit or you think something's wrong with you, that's like a fatal flaw, then that is going to be problematic because you're going to overcompensate in some way. And that's really what a lot of us do, especially those of us that are overachievers. Oh my goodness. All right. Call to action again. Imposter syndrome is a figment of your own story. When you stop keeping the facade up, deal with your shame and be you, your whole life improves. It's so true, people. All right. Why is this important? Well, isn't the whole point of life to learn, grow, and be happy? How in the hell could we do that 
if we're not able to break free of feeling like a phony. Who's the judge? Well, you are. You may have given it to other people to decide your self-worth, and that is because you've already decided you can't possibly allow yourself to be okay just being real you. This matters because your life matters. It does. If it doesn't to you, and it's all through the lens of how other people view you, you're going to end up empty. You're going to be 80 years old going, fucking A, my life was empty. Moments were fleeting that felt good. Yeah. So I know what you're thinking, though. I've done so many things, and I'm pretty fucking good at so much. It just takes the right people or the right time for my relationship to work or for me to date or for me to do anything. It's all about what is happening outside of me now. So, hey, not true. Why be controlled by what you cannot control? Seems to be pretty difficult and not to feel too well, right? Yeah, hello. Okay, three tips. Number one, notice where you have a fear of being seen for being you. Look at how you try to rephrase what you say or control your actions so there is no clue of insecurity. Or look at how you defend or worry that you will be seen through and how fear drives your behavior. This is about awareness, okay? Become aware. Two, now take one place you're afraid of being seen as you, and what would be the supposed outcome if you were to say or do what you really want? Like, feel it and see it, right? See what that fear is telling you. Fear is a liar, by the way, okay? But you want to see it. So how do you know that's going to be the outcome? And what if your worst fear does happen? What does that mean for you going forward? Be realistic when you look at that, okay? First fear is going to be unrealistic, but then you get to be realistic. Like, is that really going to happen to me? Is that what's going to happen? No, you're not. You're not going to be thrown off a cliff. You know, you're not going to be abandoned by everybody in your life. But man, we have a fear of that, don't we? Our value or lack of it is so tied to this. And I don't care, again, how accomplished you are. It makes zero difference. Number three, now in knowing the possible outcome of just being you, what do you have to lose by continuing to live this facade? Like, what are you losing every day? You are not being you. What is it you lose? Okay. And do something about it. Do something. Take a tiny little step of action. All right. We're going to say that call to action one more time. I keep saying we like there's two of me. (laughs) Anyway, imposter syndrome is a figment of your own story. When you stop keeping the facade up, deal with your shame and be you, your whole life improves. You have a universal right. You have the right to stay feeling like an imposter, always second guessing yourself, or you can drop the facade and bond with others. The more able you are to be you, the more you experience love. I have three related podcasts, you guys. Number 283, Journey of Attachment, What Do You Really Fear? Number 301, Journey of Attachment, The Trifecta of Perfection, Jinxing, and Controlling Outcomes. Yes, I said jinxing. (laughs) Remember that jinx? All right, number 255, Journey of Attachment, The Fantasy of Someone Else's Life. Yeah, so hey, guess what? I'm on social media. If you didn't know, you can find me Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, what else? I don't know. I'm probably other places I'm not even aware of. Anyway, um, I'm very active on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Uh, if you want to try and communicate that way, you can notice on Facebook that I'm always posting information. And I think it's valuable. It gets people thinking, gets people to open up. So if you want to participate in that, go to my Facebook page. It's Tracy Cross. I'm sorry, it's 
Facebook.com slash transformative coach. I am forgetting what I'm telling you. Okay. If you have questions about anything I have talked about in this podcast, podcast at tracycrossley.com. And hey, I have a boot camp and the boot camp's fucking amazing. It will change your life. It absolutely will. And I highly suggest this for people who have been struggling with these same issues and have not gotten anywhere with it. It's a great group program. The other thing I have is I have coaching. That's one-on-one coaching, whether it's with my coaches or me. If it's with me, just remember I am the most expensive uh, thing in my business. (laughs) My time is, and it's very limited as far as how many one-on-one clients I do take on. And that's why I have these other programs because I wanted to develop something where it would be amazing and you would get amazing results in transformation. So I have the boot camp, and then I also have a smaller, very transformative program that only accepts three people at a time, and it's called The Answer, and it's Total Transformation. All right. I think I've given you guys all that you are looking for today, or probably more than you were looking for, things you weren't even thinking about, right? Okay. Anyways, that is my podcast today. I will see you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Questions about today's show? Reach out to Tracy at info at tracycrossley.com. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a five-star rating for the show so it can be heard by more people. For all things Tracy, check out tracycrossley.com.